0: It's time for the Ball Quest Podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. A good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the Ball Quest Podcast. It's presented by Exterior Home Solutions. Give them a call today at 865 524 5888 for a free estimate. Exteriorhomesolutions.com. I'm Eric Kane with Rob Lewis, Brent Hubbs, and Austin Price. Got a lot to discuss here on this edition of the show Tennessee Football Spring Practice. It is officially over the orange y game has come and gone we had official visitors in for uh, via the transfer portal for tennessee basketball football transfer portal is opening up it opened up on saturday and the ncaa hearing for the university against the ncaa uh jeremy pruitts Derek ansley etc all that is happening in cincinnati later this week so let's start with football spring practice austin price what would you say the the pulse is of this football team are they about where they need to be leaving spring practice and heading on into the rest of the off season
1: i think where they, they are where they need to be in a lot of positions now i still think that they're trying to figure out who they are on the offensive line um but i mean you know you like the young pieces you, you see cam selden there you know like the young pieces that uh this team you know, has, whether it be, you know, on the defensive side or even on the offensive side. I know Ethan Davis got hurt, you know, Saturday, but he'll be back. And and I thought he had a really, really, really uh, solid spring uh, coming off his labrum tear in high school. And, um, you know, I I like the young pieces. I'm just not sure about the offensive front. I I look at that, and I think that's still a big question heading into fall. Uh, You know, there's a reason Tennessee's went out and offered – you know, uh, an offensive lineman out of the portal, you know, on Monday. And, and you know, I think that Tennessee is going to look to, you know, try to find another receiver, maybe a tight end. If, if it's a top flight tight end, if not, then I think they'll be rolling with what they have. Um, and then maybe a pass rusher.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how active they are and and what becomes realistic or doesn't become realistic in the portal in this back window. Part of that depends on who's leaving Tennessee's program as well. The bottom line for this, for me, in terms of spring practice, they're leaving with the same questions they had when they entered spring practice, which, Rob, is no shock to me. I I don't think there's any way anybody thought the offensive line was going to get settled uh, in, in 15 practices. Um, and the same for the secondary. Do they have more pieces to pick from in the secondary? Absolutely they do. What does that shake out? How does that shake out? We'll see. Uh, Rob, I feel a little better about them at guard on the offensive line than I do at tackle, but it's no surprise that there's no answer at those two spots right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a lot to add to that. I mean, other than, you know, you just weren't going fi- to find that kind of stuff out and you know, in this this kind of testing ground. I mean, that's really going to be – you're probably not going to know – really know what you have up front until a couple weeks into September next year, I, I would guess. I mean, I, I don't know that I saw enough in the spring, hupper or, or if you did to, to feel like, you know, do they leave with definitive answers in August or is it kind of like it was last year at tackle with Mincy and Crawford feeling like, you know, you maybe don't have a perfect solution, but you got, you have a couple guys you feel like you can get by with.
1: Well, I mean, Rob brings up a great point. Two weeks into September last year, would you have ever imagined the team that took overtime to be the backup quarterback at Pittsburgh was going to turn around and win at LSU and beat Alabama? Right. I mean, like it, you know, I I think there's just a lot of questions to be answered a long way to go. And, you know, again, I think that they, they they're definitely a deeper football team, a more talented football team. I love the young pieces. Um, If you're a Tennessee fan or if you're Josh Heupel, it's not hard. It's hard not to get excited about where this program's headed. But as far as this current team, I think just some things in the here and now remain unanswered. And and as Hub said, I think we all knew that you wouldn't get an answer on a lot of these things coming out of spring, and it'll be a while before we do.
3: (laughs)
2: Eric, Eric, I I think the biggest thing for me, Eric, back to you, is is that who's going to embrace right tackle? Like who falls in love with playing right tackle? Who says, I want to own that position? Who's going to do that over the course of the next two and a half months? Because it's there for the taking. I think we all feel John Campbell's the left tackle, but who says I'm going to own the right tackle position and, and that's going to be my spot? I, I think that's a big question mark here over the course of the next month.
0: I would agree. I mean, it's, it's there for the taking. And to my knowledge, Gerald Mincy does not have much experience, if at all, on the right side. That doesn't mean that he can't go and run with it. Um, just like entering last year, I think that's who you want to play it. He's bigger, more athletic. He's got the better skill set. But can he own that? J.J. Crawford has played right tackle for Tennessee. He spent time flip-flopping between the right tackle and left tackle each of the past two seasons. He made a couple starts at right tackle, so there's familiarity there. And then Dane Davis as well is kind of in that boat too. On that note, I want to pose this for Austin because, Brent, you and I kind of discussed this on the Rocky Top Rewind, and and you just kind of said it there. You feel better about where they are at left guard than where they are at right tackle right now. Austin, do you feel the same way? knowing sure you got to go claim that right tackle spot someone's got to step up and take ownership of it but the two guys and really the three guys that are in contention there they played they know this offense they played a whole lot of football for you whereas left guard ollie lane can be in that category but it's really just wide open
1: it's wide open but i think there's more serviceable bodies at left guard than at right tackle
0: okay
1: so that's probably why i feel like you know, if you said, okay, Tennessee's know, to go out and, you know, play, you know, this coming Saturday, do you feel better about one or the other? I would tell you i probably feel better about left guard just because I think there's more quality bodies uh, at the guard spot than at tackle.
2: Well, and I think, too, you can, you can help at guard more than you can help at tackle. I know you can chip with a back and a tight end, but you can have a defensive end wreck not just a series. They can wreck a whole game. Uh, off, uh, against a, a, a tackle who's suspect in pass protection, Rob. We, we've seen that. Derek Barnett's done it to other teams. We've seen people do it to Tennessee. At the guard spot, you can, quote, survive and maybe be just sort of okay there. It's hard to just be average at best at tackle in this good point. and survive.
3: Well, I mean, and uh, not saying it's going to be this way every year, but it's not exactly uncommon. I mean, just look at and if you're talking about survive Hubbard at the top of the league, I mean, look, just in the last couple of years, who you had to block if you wanted to win the Will Anderson, you know, um, Walker, the kid that just went first in the draft to Jacksonville from from Georgia, draw to Blake. But I mean, you're, you're talking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to block to, to beat the, you know, to, to play in Atlanta and win. It's not hyperbole. I mean, you're going to have to have tackles that can block first round NFL draft picks and win those battles.
0: Yeah, I think you're exactly right in terms of you're more on your own at tackle for sure than you are at guard because you have a little bit more help. That's, that's a really kind of good point whenever you think of this. Despite having maybe more experience of those guys trying to play tackle right now, you get more help on the inside, and so that, that's a really good point. Um, surprises of spring practice, were there any for you? Um, are you leaving Austin pleasantly surprised with this position group or this player?
1: Uh, for me, it's Deshaun Bishop. Not that you know he, he's a good, solid player because I always knew he was. It's that he had as much success this this spring as he did. And I'm, uh, you know, I think I'm pleasantly surprised with Cam Seldon's last week or so of spring ball. It felt like things started to click for him more. Um, you know, I, I was floored when he walked up there and spoke to the media as well as he did. Um, Saturday. Again, this kid gave three word answers, you know, in high school. I mean, I'm the king of the video interview, right? And there's a reason I wrote, I wrote his commitment in the story. I mean, like James
0: Pierce's too. Yeah.
1: He just, it's just not his forte, but you know, credit Martin and them for coaching him up well. And, you know uh, you know, like he he went in there and and handled himself and gave good quality answers and was really impressive.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the for me it, it's uh, by the way Cam Seldon I still remember him riding a scooter around Knoxville at, at, at the end yes. of the visit for like an hour at a time. Uh, but for for me it, it's the whole tight end position uh, from the standpoint of they've been more physical than than what I thought they would be. Um, you know, I, with the first week of practice, first couple of days of practice, I looked at McCollin Castles. I wasn't sure, you know, how physical can he be. Ethan Davis is much bigger than I thought. I thought Ethan Davis athletically could catch the football, but, but how physical could Ethan Davis play? So for me, the position that has surprised me um, through 15 days is the tight end position. I don't know that they're great at that spot right now, um, but I think they've got multiple weapons – uh, multiple guys who can play in some different roles. They're they're better there coming out of spring than I thought they would be because Davis is further along than I thought. Now, this injury is going to set him back. We'll see what that ends up being in terms of how big of a setback. But he's further along physically than I thought he could be, and I think McCastles is going to be able to hold – or Castle's is going to be able to hold his, his, his own fine in the SEC.
3: When, for, for, for me, you guys saw a lot more than I did while basketball was finishing up. But just you know, at the end, I, I want to reinforce what – AP said I, I was really impressed with Selden and just you know I, I'm like a lot of us I'm always hesitant to pump you know pump the new kids up too much but you know probably the just the the freshman I thought there were several guys that looked legit that I, I think will be able to help in, in the fall and I don't think you always necessarily feel that way coming out of spring I mean Caleb Herring looks like a million bucks uh, Nathan Leacock looks like an, an SEC wide receiver and, and Selden you know, physically, that, that kid's just different.
0: AP, you might not know the answer to this, but uh, we know that Cam Sellen's been dealing with a bit of a shoulder throughout spring practice. Looked like it was bothering him a little bit. You couldn't tell from his play in that orange and white game. Do you kind of have know where he is with the shoulder right now?
1: Um, mean, Southern, I don't think that they expect it to be any type of long term thing. Just something he's just kind of been battling through and really just needed to kind of get back to uh, the month of May and rest.
0: Yeah, certainly if it was something that they feared long-term, he wouldn't have been playing in that Orange and White game. Um, Any surprises? You know, we we talked about some pleasant surprises early on in camp of some of those newcomers, like Ricky Gibson was the name. And, I mean, my pleasant surprise would be the quality of depth at linebacker. We talk about those young linebackers all the time, but you're in a position now to where, I mean, last two scrimmages, you didn't play your two starters, right? And you you allowed Herring and Perry and Carter and T-Lander and Smith to get so many reps. That room is so much deeper than where it was this time last year. Uh, But any surprises in the secondary from a course of day one to the ending of spring practice to where you think they, they move the needle Brents and they're going to be a real factor for Tennessee uh, come the fall. Whereas maybe they saw some playing time or maybe they're new to the team for this year.
2: Uh, You know, we'll see. I I mean, you know, I've said this on the last couple of podcasts. I I think they've got depth at at corner. Um, I know, Jerry Mack said, iron sharpens iron, better not take a day off. If, if you're a corner, you better not have a bad off season. You know, you got Gabe Judy Lawley who knows how to play in this league and knows what to expect. I think Denico Slaughter has embraced that position. Some of those other guys need, need to, and not that they're doing bad, those young guys certainly, but you know, the warm Burrell, you, you got to get healthy and get on the field, you know, and get back out there and get to work. And, and so, um, I don't know how that's all going to shake out. You know, are they going to take athleticism over experience? Are they going to hybrid that? Or or what are they going to do there? I'm a little surprised Jordan Thomas hasn't made more, didn't make more noise in in spring. I think part of that's because they had him at both positions. He was playing star and he was playing safety, uh, which I was a a little surprised that they made that move, Austin, because I think if they have an injury to Mary McDonald, Wesley Walker is going to star because that's where he played a bunch of football in the ACC. So I'm not sure how much they helped Jordan Thomas get settled in somewhere and really take off and run. Uh, So we'll see where where he's at. And, again, are they going to take athleticism over experience, experience over athleticism? Are they going to try to blend the two out there uh, in in trying to find their best five? If I know them, I think they'll just go with the old heads and everybody will be pulling their hair
1: out.
3: I second that opinion, AP. All (laughs)
1: right. I think I think it's going to be Warren Burrell and Jalen McCullough, and uh, some fan will be trying to sniper him about halfway through that Virginia game from the nosebleeds of Nissan Stadium. I, I just I, I just continue to beat that horn like if they want to take a step, the secondary's got to look different. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. And right now, um, that's what it feels like coming out of spring to me. I mean, it just feels like you know that's what where, where we're headed is there'll be a lot of the same that we've seen. And, you know, we'll see if anything changes. But right now, I just have a tough time seeing it.
0: But and are you I'll, at least in a spot to where now, say you roll those, say, say McCullough's out there one.
1: Yeah, they're way deeper. I mean, they're just way deep. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, again, it's about making the trigger and, and pulling, pulling the plug on it, right, Hubs?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, we'll we'll see how they how they blend that and and how they go about their business. There, where they trust some of those guys. I will say this, and I think this is a good thing. This spring, Kamal Haddon made no noise. Oh yeah, and I think that's a positive thing. I think Kamal Haddon had a terrific spring. I think Kamal Haddon is doing things on a daily basis better than he's done it since he's been at Tennessee. I I was in the camp that Kamal Haddon probably wouldn't be here at Tennessee. Everybody um, all said and done. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I think Kamal Haddon's run a lot of first team. Now I know Willie Martinez said there are no ones, twos, and threes, and all that kind of stuff. But Kamal Haddon quietly, which is a positive, had a really good spring for Tennessee, which only adds to that depth in the secondary at the cornerback position. Now, Does that mean you move Danico Slaughter? Do you feel like you can move him to somewhere else? Does he stay at corner? Is there more flexibility there? I don't know how all that shakes out, but he's an X factor that I kind of didn't think would be a factor ultimately for 23, and I think he's going to be.
1: Well, what's he going to do between now and August? Sure. I mean, it's kind of like – I was talking about this to somebody over the weekend, and I'm like, Kamal Haddon is like – the deer or the turkey that knows it's not deer or turkey season and they come out and they're out there eating in the fields because they know they can't get shot. So it's like, you, you know, you knew like, Hey, if I just keep my head down, and I don't do anything. Everything's going to be just fine. And he kept his head down and he didn't, you know, it didn't have any problems. He's a good kid, right? Like I, he's an engaging kid. Like it, it's hard not to root for Kamal. And I know we got over there and he trash talked when they were down 30 at South Carolina and that drove everybody nuts. I get hey, it. Reply. But He's not a bad kid. It's just, you know, he's, he, he just sometimes doesn't think, you know, and doesn't, you know, no time and place. And so, you know, if he can kind of keep his head down and do it long term and not just for this little body of work in spring, you know, when this window closes, when the transfer window closes, then I think Kamal will help this team in the fall 100%. You know, I think it just all boils down to his, the want to.
2: Well, and I think Gabe Judy Lawley's big, for not just Kamal Haddon, but he's big for all those young corners this summer, Eric. I, I think when you talk about learning how to work and all the little things that you have to do, staying on top of things, the one thing, and you can watch it on Vol Club Confidential, you can have any conversation you want to have, Gabe Julie Lawley is a mature pro. I mean, he's a dude. He's a guy. He's not a kid. He's been through the wears and tears in a couple of different places, has adapted to all those things. I was super impressed both with him and Keenan Peely in spring with the work they put in with the younger guys, you know, little tips and little discussions between reps, between periods. I think Gabe Judy Lawley is important for this secondary in the corners this summer, not just necessarily for him on the field in the fall, but the development of those guys this summer and doing all the little things and the extra work you have to do to get ready to play in this league.
0: He's just a pro. He's a veteran. He's he's played in this league for several years. Went to BYU. Uh, I know a lot of people listening and watching right now don't like pro football focus, but it's a metric that I use to help with my analysis. It's not everything, but he, I mean, he graded out at over eighty percent, or his grade was at over eighty, playing nearly seven hundred snaps last year at cornerback. Um, dude, dude, just plays like he knows the position so well, and so that kind of you know leads me into where. If he's a starter, if he's not, if Warren Burrell's out there, if Tank McCullough's out there, whatever, and kind of what we were talking about just a minute ago, Austin Rob, I just feel like you you won't be so hesitant to say, all right, you're getting beat, get out of here, let's go, you know, so so and so get in the football game. You had to do that at corner last year. At safety, are you there this year to where you can say, all right, you know, you get you get beat on a slant, get out of here, go Jordan Thomas, go Denico Slaughter if you're back there, go Christian Charles, whoever. That's what I want to see this year. Um, and we don't know that right now, but it just feels like they do have, because of guys I gave Judy Lolly helping out, and because of a good spring like Kamal Haddon, and, and hopefully some steps from those younger guys, feels like they do have more depth, quality depth, not just numbers, to where they can rely on in, in, in the fall.
1: Yeah, I am I mean, Eric, I'm with you. Like, if they're willing to do what you just said, which is, you know, the guys struggling, yank him out and go with somebody else because they are deeper, then... then then that's great. You know, i just got to see it, right? Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. you know, but I mean, like, that's how it should be because they are a much deeper secondary. They I mean, they got more bodies back there than anybody. I mean, they've got – I mean, think about all the guys that have – you don't even count the freshmen, just the, the other quality bodies that have played football, you know. Oh, I'm
3: I mean, just, I mean I, you're exactly right. I, I was looking at it before we got on the pod today. And, you you know, maybe these guys haven't played a bunch of great football. But, I mean, you just start going down the list in the, in the secondary – by by number, Danico Slaughter, Jayla McCullough, Warren Burrell, Kamal Haddon, Brandon Turnage, Tamari McDonald, Wesley Walker, Christian Charles. I mean, these you got some guys that have struggled at times, but you got, I don't know that we've ever had this many dudes that have, you know, at least started and played. And again, question marks abound, but you don't have to worry about, you know, guys being out there and not having played the SEC before.
0: Spring practice is over. That second window opened up Saturday, uh the fifteenth. Uh quickly, Brent, do you expect any action? Um, if so, how much action to to be on the lookout for vols leaving or as Austin already pointed out, they've already offered one offensive lineman from the portal, maybe future vols coming in.
2: Well, I think it's only natural that that you're gonna have some movement. I mean, that's just a given. Um the, the question is how much is that movement gonna be? I I'm curious to see from a national perspective how how active this window is gonna be. Um how many, quote, names, you know, experienced guys are, are, are really going to look to move around. Um, I was surprised to see the, the tackle from Oklahoma State go in the portal at this point. That seems like kind of a head scratcher to me. Um, you know, he's a starter. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of guys go in the portal who aren't real factors, you know, at where they're at. And so they're, they're just going to, they went through spring to try to see if they can make a move. They didn't make a move. And, and they'll go from there. Uh, and I think you'll see some of that at Tennessee. I, I'm curious to see how many quality guys that that other schools are like, hey, I want to gobble one of those up. Or is there a school out there that just came out of spring and said, well, we just don't have any option. We've got to find somebody somewhere. I don't think Tennessee's in desperation mode. Maybe I'm wrong, Austin. It doesn't feel like they're in desperation mode for guys. Certainly not where they were their first couple of years. And I do think there'll be some movement, but I think the movement out of Tennessee may be minimal at this point.
1: I think minimal. Uh, I don't think they're in desperation mode. Um, you know, I, I do think that that for Tennessee, you know, um, you know, it, it's about finding the right players, right? And I think the, the the guys you're talking about are maybe some players that thought about going in the portal. They were talked out of it by the current school they're at. Then went through spring and said nothing's changed. I'm actually going to go. And and I think that's what you might see with some of these guys that are quote unquote starters at places that probably were probably thinking about it three or four months ago. And that school said, Hey, we'll get you the NL money you need. We'll, we'll, it'll be better. We're going to get you some help. But if you're a quarterback, we'll get you some receivers or whatever. Uh, and then you went through spring and said, I just can't do this again. Like it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, your wife talks you out of getting a divorce and then you get back in there and she starts nagging at you again. And you're like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm out of here.
3: AP, that sounded biographical. <laughs> I'm just trying to describe what's I going just, on with Eric. I Haynes. just hope Mrs. Price is not watching Listen, it's still
2: in that
0: honeymoon phase, baby. Is that,
2: is that biographical or autobiographical? Um, I'm not gonna touch that. I'm not gonna touch that one. I am surprised though, Austin, if Tennessee goes in the receiver portal and looks legitimately for receiver, that's a bit of a, a little bit of a surprise to me if they would go that direction. if they went there, the guy would have to be a rock star, right? I mean, what is the uh, nice play, Eric? Um, what what is I mean what is the what, what would be the rationale for being in the receiver portal if you're Tennessee to bring somebody in?
1: They still have a, still have a ton of bodies, you know. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, like, it's not like you know you look at six or seven guys like Tennessee needs probably more than nine. I know they only play three, because you know at times you know at least they have the first couple of years where they like to play more. I think they probably would like to platoon a little bit more, especially when you, if you if you sh- score get a stop. And then get the ball right back. You know, could you? There are more opportunities to maybe roll more bodies in there to be a little fresher as the game goes on. Um, But you know, I I just think they. You know, that's a place I could see them being a factor at.
0: Practice is officially in the books, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to the NCAA hearing later this week. We're going to touch on that, of course. Some uh, hoops official visitors from the portal. They were in camp. They were on campus this past weekend. All that and more coming up next here on the Volquest Podcast. It's brought to you by our good friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Your roof—it's
2: the most important protection against nature for your home or your business. That's why I trust the experts at Exterior Home Solutions.
0: Volquest Podcast here on this Tuesday morning. Appreciate you guys being here, and as always, appreciate Exterior Home Solutions. Uh, incidentally hearing that is coming up this week in Cincinnati. But first, Rob Lewis, want to get your thoughts on the weekend that was for Tennessee basketball uh, hosted a couple of guys from the transfer portal. Where is Tennessee in those races? And of course, uh, those super seniors with decisions, mainly Santiago Vescovy.
3: Uh, we'll start with the visitors. Um, Dalton neck from uh, Northern Colorado, big, big guard, good shooter. Uh, six foot six. He was here on Sunday. Um, doesn't sound like he's nearly as far along in his recruitment, he has so far visited just Tennessee and Oregon. He is from Colorado, um, has been one of these kids that has had a couple of different growth spurts, you know, starting in high school, had another one in college. So he, he is really, you know, an, an intriguing developmental guy. He averaged 20 points a game last year at Northern Colorado, shot almost 40% from three-point range. Uh, so he's obviously attractive um, as a shooter, but, again, has visited Tennessee and Colorado – or Tennessee and Oregon – so far, he's got Washington out there. Gonzaga's recruiting him. Arkansas, who's pulling seemingly everybody out of the portal, is involved. So, you know, he said, he said distance w- was not going to be a factor. We'll see if that's the case. I mean, he's a West Coast guy. He's got a bunch of West Coast Pac-12 schools chasing him. You know, if he's really open to moving around, you know, I think Tennessee is is going to be a strong option. I think he liked a lot of things here this weekend. But if, you know, if distance is any kind of a factor, then obviously that's going to be a hurdle. Um. Chris Ledlam sounds like he's much closer to, to um, making a decision, even though he he declined interviews um, after his visit on Saturday. Uh, AP's favorite. Uh,
0: he's, How did you handle that, Rob?
3: Uh, he he was he was polite about it. He just didn't want to, you know. He, he he was not, you know, offensive. He just didn't want to, you know, put anything out there about his recruitment before he'd taken his final official visit. He's at St. Harvard John's.
0: Educated baby,
1: I could have pulled it off. You,
3: you probably could have. You probably could have. You could at least probably get the mom. Is this is, is a this like the time where
1: Rob's like, "Hey, I can't get this kid on the phone." AP, hey, I'll get you a Rooster Chris gift card if you can get this kid on the phone. I text the kid, "Hey, my buddy's going to give me a Rooster Chris gift card if you'll answer the phone first ring." Boom. <laughs> What's up, man?
0: Classics
3: <laughs> never die. <laughs> but but Ledlam, I think you know, he he left Tennessee, went straight to St. John's. Um, you know, he's from Brooklyn. I don't know how much, time that you know that 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 means for St. John's. Uh, the buzz out there kind of seems to suggest that it. it's Tennessee and Indiana. Uh, but, you know, I guess just bottom line, Tennessee had two official visitors here this weekend, two grad transfers. I, I think they're really in it for both. It feels to me just because he's so you know, is further along, closer to making a decision that Ledlam is more realistic right now. But, you know, I, I think they're in it for neck. I just wonder about the distance. And, and of the current guys, you know, I, I'd, I might have a different opinion tomorrow. I think Santiago is leaning towards staying. I think Josiah is, is leaning towards going. And again, I, I may hear something this afternoon that makes me feel differently, you know, by, by supper time.
2: Rob, is there anybody is there anybody else on the horizon from a transfer standpoint? Or is there one of those reclassification guys out there looming that nobody knows about that suddenly is you know, pops up a year early and, and ends up out of school in August, much like Zachiah Ziegler did? Is there, is there either one of those type things floating well, around you right now?
3: Transfer-wise, for sure. Jordan Ganey, who just happens to be the, the son of associate head coach Jud- Justin Ganey, is uh, in the portal for USC Upstate over outside of Greenville. If he stays in the portal and, and really decides he wants to change, I, I think it would be a surprise if he ended up anywhere besides Tennessee. Really good shooter has been really really productive um, in his first two years over there. Obviously, it would be a step up in competition as far as a reclass guy. You know, I don't know any, any of those right now, but nobody knew who Zakaziefer was until the July. I would and again, I, I don't know anything on any name, but given this staff and you know some of their ties, I, I would also not ignore the international market eater and somebody popping up. You know, there either this spring or, or, or further in the summer. I would I would certainly not ignore that as a possibility.
0: Grant Ramey says the longer this thing goes with Santi, the more and more it seems like he's coming back. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he wants to stay. I think he's, he's you know, is leaning that way. And, I you know, I think we're probably being naive if we don't think NIL, you know, ha- has something to do, w- will play a role I- in that. So I, I think that's also going to be a factor.
1: I was told that uh, since we were never able to work out a date on Valko Confidential, he wants to come back to to, to do that show next fall. That's
3: just, feels like that'd be a big hole in his resume yeah. resume for his career. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he needs that on his reel. He needs to sit down with Austin Price for his for his media reel, Rob Lewis. Hey, I'm big in Uruguay, baby.
0: <laughs> All right, guys, let's shift gears. The uh, final topic here on this Tuesday. Uh, Big-time stuff coming up later this week, the NCAA hearing with the University of Tennessee, former head coach Jeremy Pruitt, former defensive coordinator Derek Ansley is going to be at Cincinnati. Brent Hubbs kind of set the scene going into the week, what to expect, um, and, and, of course, the the whole bowl ban thing is being thrown out there again. Uh, kind of what are your thoughts entering the week and, and how this will play out?
2: Well, I mean, this is very procedural. Uh, this is the NCAA um Doing their due diligence, wanting to be procedural, uh, they have not had many of these opportunities in terms of having hearings uh, because of COVID. Remember, they didn't—they were not on the road doing any interviews um, d- during this process. They, they had to use the third-party um, lawyers and sit in on the Zoom calls because the NCAA didn't allow them to travel. So, I, I think part of this committee wants some FaceTime w- with the powers that be and the people that are involved. In this case, obviously that's Jeremy Pruitt. Um, that's Tennessee in general. Uh, Don D. Plowman, Tennessee's chancellor, uh, Philip Fulmer. Uh, so we'll we'll see, you know, kind of what takes place from this and and what happens and and where it goes from from there. Um, they're going to start on Wednesday morning. Um, that'll be a full day on Wednesday. Uh, In Cincinnati, I expect it to be a full day, basically on Thursday. I I don't know that they'll need there will be a need for anything on Friday. Um, I think the hope is that this thing gets done sometime. The hearing gets wrapped up Thursday afternoon, and everybody can depart and head to the house. And um, then you you wait the six to eight weeks or so before you get a ruling. Once you get a ruling, Austin, then you can appeal the ruling. Um, You can do what you know. You can do various sorts of things there, um, and we'll go from there. We had a lot of questions on the board about this. I mean, there is separation. Jeremy Pruitt's not lumped in. Like, like his ruling is not going to be a part of the Tennessee deal. That's a separate deal. He'll have his own separate council. Derek deal deal separate um, than, than the university. But I, I think the NCAA uh, wants to have some face-to-face contact with these people that they were not just privy to Austin during the investigation part portion of this of this case because of covid and and the travel restrictions taking place
1: yeah i I think they want to have the the public you know the public flogging of of all the parties and i think they want everybody in that room to sit there and sweat it out while they while they talk to them and 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 want to have to you know make them nervous and and all that stuff um you know again like let's say Uh, coach Pruitt's happy with what, whatever they give him, Tennessee's not, Tennessee appeals. It doesn't slow down Jeremy Pruitt, vice versa. If, if, if Tennessee's happy and says, all right, we're ready to move on. We'll accept the punishment. We'll give you the few more scholarships and a $3 million fine or whatever it is. And Jeremy Pruitt's like, no, I'm not happy with mine. I'm going to appeal. It doesn't slow Tennessee down. So, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, the one I'm interested to see does Derek Ansley make it to Cincinnati because I don't think he does. Le- he legit like just walked out. Whatever it went down, he just walked out and and you know went to the NFL and is the DC for the Chargers. And I just don't see him showing up in Cincinnati. Maybe he does it by Zoom or video conference, something like that. But I just don't see him showing up. Everybody else, I expect to be there.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, and again, this is a big. This is procedural. Um, there have been some committees that have signed off on uh, things, and and that's why Tennessee was optimistic that this would get done um, months ago. And, and then this this committee here just said, "No, we're we're not signing off on anything. We wanna we wanna go through through everything, and, and we'll see what the end result of that is." Tennessee, I think, feels prepared. Uh, I think they feel confident, in and how they've handled all of this, the changes that they've made. Um, I think I think Dondi Plowman is I think Tennessee is very comfortable with with every decision she's made uh, the direction she's taking things and and I think they feel comfortable with her quote taking a witness stand if you will I think Greg Sankey if the ruling doesn't go the way Tennessee would like I think Greg Sankey will voice his concerns and, and could be in the middle of that as well because he knows how Tennessee has gone about this deal so um it's unfortunate nobody ever wants to go through these i've talked to enough people that have been through them and there's nothing enjoyable even if you feel great about your case and great about what you're presenting it's just it's it's the the last place you want to be as doug dickey always said you don't want them on your campus and you don't want to have to go before them formally if you can avoid it uh tennessee did everything they could to avoid it but but here's where we stand and uh we'll see how things get cranked up on wednesday
1: well as we've long talked about, the NCAA has so many reasons why they should handle Tennessee a certain way because Tennessee did open up the doors. They did say, here's everything we got. here's here's all the incriminating evidence against um, you know everybody and and they, and they, they got rid of everyone. Um, you know if if they try to hit Tennessee in any kind of real manner, I don't mount a few more scholarships in a fine, that Tennessee will be you know they'll do that and, and walk off. Um, but if they try to hit them with anything type postseason ban, at that point, Hubs, you know, Chris Lowe said this on The Nation the other night. And I don't disagree. Every school will have armed guards at the airport keeping off, keeping the NCAA off their campus from now on. Like there will be no justification to ever let an NCAA representative on any campus ever again.
3: No, I mean, yeah.
2: Hubber, I, I, go ahead, Rob.
1: I was going
3: say, Hubber wrote, was it last week that, that you wrote the call? I thought you summed it up, you know, pretty perfectly. If, if you know, Tennessee gets raked over the coals, You'll never see another school cooperate, you know, again at the kind of level Tennessee did.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, what's the benefit to that? Um, and I get where the NCAA says, you know, we, we want to punish, and and what you've done is is maybe not enough in terms of scholarships because you were short rostered. I can see some of those things where the NCAA is coming down that avenue, but the NCAA has also been on record in saying they do not want to punish kids who weren't involved. Okay, those guys aren't around here. Now, you have the one X factor with the Oklahoma State basketball team a couple of years ago, and that's the fly in the ointment because they said they don't want to punish anybody, but Oklahoma State didn't go to the NCAA tournament, what, two years ago, I think it was, um, and some of the kids who were on that roster who didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament were in high school when, when Oklahoma State committed their violations, and they were cooperative. That's the one scary element there. Now, the NCAA took some criticism for that. Um, I, I think where you're going here, it's a slippery slope and a dangerous slope for the NCAA to come hammer hard because of what you're saying. You get no cooperation. Remember this, too. There's what, 17 charges in this deal against Tennessee? Tennessee's contesting one. They're contesting one. Everything else, guilty. Failure Dude. to monitor. They're, con- they're contesting the failure to monitor. And um, th- that's what Tennessee is-, is going, you know, is fighting. And that's what the, that's what the whole bulk of this thing is um, for Tennessee and Cincinnati is a failure to monitor. Now, for Jeremy Pruitt, it's different, right? He's trying to figure out how he can get back to coaching sooner rather than later. And, and I think there's a couple of interesting ways for Jeremy Pruitt to go about this. One, he's got to stay calm, in my opinion. Two, get through this thing and negotiate, but he didn't want to negotiate on the front end Austin and got it to this point. So how he goes about his business, um, in this, in this case will be interesting on on Thursday and on Wednesday and Thursday, for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, Coach Pert wants to coach as simple as that. And, and, you know, for him, I think the best course of action to get back to the field is, you know, uh, you know, to just kind of go about his business. Um, not go in there trying to sue everybody or, you know, trying to hammer everybody. Just go in there, uh, you know, state your case, make your appeal with whatever they give. Cause I mean, let's face it. Let's say they give him a five year show cause. He should appeal it. If they give him a three year show cause, he should appeal it because you can't get more, but you never know. They may go, okay, three, okay, we'll do two, five, we'll do four, you know, whatever. I mean, like the quickest path for him back to coaching you know, is, is, the, is the route he needs to go because ultimately that's what he wants to do. And, you know, he just, I don't think he really wants to go back to the NFL. He did it for a year. Um, You know, I think he likes certain parts of it, but, you know, I mean, he, he's, a, you know, he, I think he fancies himself as a guy who, you know, coaches college football. And so, you know, I think for him, it's quickest path to getting a resolution, the, the better, which means, you know, play nice with everybody. And I think, you know, there've been enough people around him to say, hey, you know, You want to get back to the the league, you know, like, in other words, this league, the SEC, you know, let's just go in here and and get past all this. Well, If I'm wrong,
0: sorry to jump in there, but he would be fine with the Hugh Freeze route, right? Like head coaching show calls, but allowed to coordinate after, you know, maybe a certain amount of years or whatever, just getting back into the game, being a coordinator, being a position coach, and then whenever that head coaching show calls is up, I mean, if he gets another opportunity, then whatever. Yeah,
1: I, I think that would be the case. Hubs, I, normally in this instance, the show cause does not start until they're ruled upon. So let's say he gets a five-year show cause; it would be five years from right now. It would not be five years from when he last coached. I think that's where he could appeal it, though. I think that's where you could win an appeal. You know, hey, I've already served near three years. Let me, you know, go. Let me. Let me date. If you're giving me six, let me date it back. Now I've only got three years left to to, to go. I mean, I, I think ultimately that's where he's got to try to win it's all about the time you know if, if, it, if it doesn't start till now you know that that's where I think it gets tougher and tougher
2: and and I just wonder too Rob if his if his approach to all this is different based on what happened to him th- this offseason let's face it where does he want to coach at the Alabama. end of the day he wants to be the defensive coordinator at, at Alabama and you know, he spent all the summer and fall talking about suing and all these other things, that job, his quote, one of his dream jobs or the dream job for him comes back open and and he can't, he can't be a factor in, in, in the job hunt or even be an analyst. And I wonder if you have that moment where it's like, I got to get the, you know, I've been defying, I'm not going to negotiate with anybody. The guys who work for me went ahead and got their negotiation things done, but I'm going to fight everybody. And then all of a sudden, that carrot gets dangled in front of you for your job, for the job you want, Rob, and you can't get it. Does your mentality, does your approach to things change when reality hits that I I, I can't do what I want to do until I get this thing resolved? And I wonder if his approach is a little different because of that.
3: I mean, I would have to think so, Hubbard. I mean, but there's no guarantee that it is. And, you know, I think we could also all see him, you know, saying his attitude is changed and then, you know, maybe getting in the courtroom and, and getting his dander up a little bit and, you know, maybe have saying something that 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 hurt his case. But I mean, I, I think you kind of painted it pretty well there. I mean, did he learn a lesson, you know, this off season that he that he was gonna have to change, that he's in a situation where, you know, the defiance and, you know, the, the lashing out is, is not going to help him at all. And, you know, I would I would think that he got some pretty strong evidence to to support that view, by by not even be able to be hired as an assistant, you know, th- this past year, forget about the buyout and and all that. I mean, I, I would think that, like Austin is saying, I would think he wants a path forward to coaching again. And and I would have to think what happened, you know, would not even be able to go back, and where even Nick Saban can't get you back on on his staff. I would have to think that sent a pretty clear message.
0: Hey, is this going to be streamed live on the Ocho? <laughs>
2: no, uh, there there will be uh, I'm sure there will be backdoor entrances and there will be, uh, you know, there's a gag order on this deal. No, nobody can talk about this. Now, we'll see if anybody makes a comment, you know, walking down a hallway or anything like that. But the NCAA says you cannot discuss it. Not only can you not discuss it while it's going on this week, you can't discuss it following the hearing being over. Nothing can be discussed or can be commented on until the ruling is made some six, eight weeks from now. Um, so you're going to have a lot of speculation, a lot of guessing, a lot of people trying to read body language, trying to read facial expressions when they see somebody, not just this week, but next week. And and lots of speculation, you know, out there among everybody, because I think the NCAA wants this and has made it very clear. They want it close ranks. Now the NCAA might leak something out, to somebody that wouldn't be the first time that's happened, but I, I think there's a pretty good scolding. If the other parties involved, try to leak something out coming out of this deal.
1: Now in preparation for this, we have had hubs doing art classes the last few weeks to do artist renderings of all the parties walking in. So I can't wait to see those stick figures.
0: Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say we need a, uh... Like how we dissect the body language of a, of a recruit on a video. I mean, we need video of everybody walking in and out. We need to break it down, slow frame it, the shuffle, the the, the facial expressions. I'd we like need to detail. I'd
3: like, I'd like to be a fly on the wall when Dondi and Jeremy go out to dinner Wednesday night together. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure
3: that's going to happen. But but I'll say this. I
2: mean, lawyers, PR people that are involved with this, they they have had and will have discussions with everybody about what to wear, how to look, how to help, how to, you know, how to carry yourself. All of that stuff is a part of this process and getting ready for this hearing and going through the hearing and going through the hearing itself. I mean, that is something legitimately that they discuss because people are going to try to dissect body language and dissect, you know, whether you're on the stand in the room or whether it's just standing outside the room or whatever, that's just, that's the way it's going to be. Now, Danny White's going up there, and I'll throw this out there because we see a picture of him up there. I I, I don't know why they want to talk to him. He, was, he wasn't here for anything. So I'm not even sure exactly what he's going to have to say uh, when it's all said and done. That's why I wonder if this thing's really going to go three days because there's really three people you want to talk to, right? Jeremy Pruitt, Dondi Plowman, Philip Fulmer. Derek Ansley would be the fourth. Outside of that, I don't know how many – I don't know how many other people you need to bring to town to have a conversation with them about anything, Uh, but we'll see.
0: Should be an interesting week. We'll see what happens. The NCAA hearing uh, with Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Ansley, all that good stuff that is coming up uh, later this week. Tennessee football spring practice over with and done with. Go check out all of our coverage over at VolQuest.com. Transfer portal season for hoops, as well as the second window for Tennessee football. All that plus recruiting 24-7. All day long at VolQuest.com. For Brent Hubbs, awesome Price, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. A big shout-out to Exterior Home Solutions for making this possible. Give them a free ass- You can get a free estimate by giving them a call today at 865-524-5888. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to the Tuesday VolQuest Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest.